Welcome back to episode 229 of Two Drunk Brothers in the podcast. Today we've got a lot coming at you. We're going to talk a little bit about the college football championship that happened, year in review with that. We're going to talk about some week 18 shit that happened this past weekend. Uh, Chicago Bears on the clock. Maybe talk a little bit about that, obviously. We've got wild card weekend as well. So, And then Ethan's going to do another grid game. So we just got a lot, and it's football, football, football. Um, for the next month. I was going to say, got to run with football until we run out. So Exactly. Yep. So, real quick, before we dive into anything else, and we'll cheers to it, uh, bowl season, absolutely immaculate to us. If you didn't follow, don't didn't see our Twitter post, we finished bowl season up 12 and a half units, which is incredible through, what, three weeks of football yep. compared to what we did the previous six months. Um, <laughs> finished total like four finished, months, but yeah. Finished college football season down 5.4. We were three yards from Romo Dunze and 20 yards from Jalen Polk, who they both had the targets and the balls there to get those from having a positive year. But we still had a a killer bowl season, and it was awesome to have. So we'll cheers to that. I will. Jin Jin. Jin Jin. Cheers. Ah, all right. But other than that, the college football championship was not for the... Let's be honest. Yeah, it was not for the casual fan, I will say. If you had money on it, it was exciting. Me and Ethan watched the whole thing. I thought it was... I mean, there were some questionable decisions and things in there, of course. But from a betting perspective, if you were on the right side of it, which we were, it was kind of fun. (laughs) I uh one thing I wanted to say too is it definitely wasn't the best game of the college football playoff by far. I get that. It was it wasn't even the best championship game by far. And that's saying something because a lot of the championship games in the college football playoff haven't been great. But what I will say is is people forget as sloppy of a game as it was on Washington's side, they were only down seven with seven minutes to go. And yeah, so yeah. it's because the game got out of hand, it didn't feel like a close game, but that game was close quite a bit of the game. Um, until I mean, it wasn't so even I mean even after that they went down 14 and then they were driving and had the chance to go down one score uh with yep. the fourth down and then they throw the pick that gets returned all the way down to the five yard line yep and so it really wasn't a blowout game by any stretch of the measure and to be quite frank Washington blew so many opportunities uh I don't their offense was never able to get into a rhythm which is kind of what I was worried about. Um, heading into the game, but outside of that, Michael Penix just—he did yeah. not look good. And it was like, yeah, so I, I, I got to—I got to jump in here. Travis texted me before the national championship game, saying because I had Michael seen Penix, him. If Michael Penix, no, 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 shh. If Michael Penix falls to the Dolphins because the Dolphins are going to have a late first-round pick, if he falls there, you have to consider taking him. He's got the arm strength that Tua doesn't have. He's got the physical traits that Tua doesn't have to be able to run and, and, and withstand, um, you know, hits. I saw what I needed to see. That dude's not going to be a first-round pick. He's – I also Tua didn't know he transferred from Indiana. More arm ac- – with more arm strength. Uh, less accuracy. Way less accuracy. Debatable. Could could be could be close. Um, but either way, he just looked – 
He looked awful. He looked just like how Tua looked against fucking any team in the NFL. So, with that being said, though, he is still projected a first-round pick, and this is kind of what I was th- wanting to talk about after that game, um, where kind of the key players are projected to go and what your guys' thoughts are. J.J. McCarthy is still a projected first-round pick. Shouldn't even be Shouldn't even be a draft pick. I'm so, I'm sorry. Shouldn't even be a draft pick. I'm just no. saying it out loud. Dude will not do anything in the NFL. He's built no. like a kicker. He's Mac Jones 2.0, but less He fat. was 10 for 18 with 140 yards against Washington. I mean, he was carried by That's Blake Corum. He just and he doesn't throw the ball. Back. He doesn't throw the no. ball all season. Doesn't throw it well either. Like <laughs> I, I watched, I really watched two mission games this year, and those the playoff games. That's against the best competition. And he can't complete passes. He's throwing passes behind guys over their heads at their feet. It's like, just not. No. So he's not gonna go. I was talking to my boss about this today, actually, because um, he grew up in Wisconsin. Um, fan, just a fan of sports up there in general. He's a Wisconsin fan. He went to grad school at Ohio State, so just naturally not a Michigan fan in general. Um, and he was talking to me about how like he doesn't really throw the ball um, and things like that. But the other thing for me too is we got to talking, and I was like, I'm trying to think of somebody I could compare him to. Not not necessarily an NFL starter, not necessarily an NFL backup. I couldn't think of anybody because he just doesn't remind me of a quarterback like at all when I watch him play. Tony, he reminds me of Mac Jones. That's it. Game manager to the fucking. Oh, he runs. Yeah, the thing about JJ McCarthy or McCarthy McCarthy is the you could turn the dude into a wide receiver. He's fast. Here but, we go. Here we go. Skylar Thompson, Travis. A better comparison. Yes. He's going to end up being like Taysom Hill. Just not yeah. a built, unless he builds himself up. Sure. Yeah, right. unless he bulks up. But anybody who's drafted him to be like a quarterback, even at second string, I think this is an egregious decision by anybody that does that. And I, I do feel like the combine will change things a little bit because I just, I cannot see him going in the first round. I can't see a team. Maybe he'll still be projected as one, but it might turn into a Drew Locke situation where everybody thinks he's going first round and then he falls mid second. Um, I, and I, to be fair, Drew Locke, way better talent than JJ McCarthy ever was and will be. But, uh, I just, I, like Travis said, it makes no sense that he's still projected first round. <clears throat> yeah. And that was, I mean, I'm sure he's fallen on some people's boards. I think he probably will fall. Penix was like a mid first. Um, also not very smart of him to continue playing through what <laughs> looked like might've been broken yeah. ribs. Um, I yeah. know you want to finish the season out, but he looked like he was in some bad pain. Michael Penix it, it is going to be the perfect project quarterback, a la Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love. Go to a place where he can sit behind a starter for a couple of years, learn the game. He doesn't have the time. He's almost 25. He is 25, I think. Because he's he's played for six years in the uh, in college football. He's going he's gonna to go somewhere and get tossed right in. I think so, but I hear you. I mean, but he, he has, yeah, he, he has the makes the of one. Yeah. He just, it'll be, it'll be 29 before he even gets a chance. <laughs> no fucking Brandon, Brandon, Brandon Whedon Jr. There Brandon we go. Whedon. Yep. Um, and then also uh, Romo Dunze, he's five on Mel Kuyper's big board projected right around like the top 10 early teens. Um, I think he is one of the best wide receiver talent in the draft. Um, sneaky sleeper. I think Marvin Harrison and uh, who's the other guy? 
Malik Neighbors. Yeah, yeah, are drawing a lot of the attention, but I think he could be the guy for somebody. Yeah, I, I will say I think there could be three wide receivers that go top fifteen. I don't know if we'll see more than three wide receivers though go in the first round this year. I it it feels not as deep. I could be wrong about that. I don't know enough about the draft yet this year. I know there's a guy from Texas who's apparently pretty good. I just it feels like one of those drafts where teams aren't going to be as focused on wide receivers. Um, and then it's very top heavy. And so I look at those three and then I don't see a lot after them that just stand out. And I'm like, yeah, that, that guy's going to go top 30. The only other one would be, or there's technically two Keon Coleman from Florida state, who I honestly think it would, might be sort yeah. of bust. Yeah. Um, and then a Donnie Mitchell is the guy from Texas who's from like Texas. in the late twenties. Um, yeah. but either way, I don't, yeah, I don't like either of those guys. <clears throat> well, and I was going like, to say, it's not like they're bad talents. It's just I, to me, for where we're at right now in this draft and team needs, I'm like, I don't I don't know if anybody's going to. We've seen so many wide receivers go the last three years that I'm just like, who who needs one at this point? I know there are teams that need wide oh, receivers. Don't get me wrong. I'm just tons, like, yeah. in the first round, though, with the talent that's in what's on the draft board, that's where I'm yeah. getting stuck. Maybe not those yeah. those two guys. We uh, can talk about that when draft rolls around, but we'll see what the last one. The last player who I want to talk about who I want to see the end of the season might affect his draft stock was Blake Corum because right now he's averaging around like the mid-50s. I I don't – Blake Corum to me, and this – I think he benefited from a strong offensive line at Michigan. Um, again, I think he's not your every down back in the NFL. He's going to, to me, be more like a – I'm trying to think of a, of a good comparison – but he's going to be really like small, a, like a yeah, a, like a utility back. Like so I don't want to, I don't want to say White, Deuce Vaughn, Devon, Devon, Devon A. Chan. Like like he's well, not going to be in every, in every down back. He's like six four. <laughs> Latavius Murray, six four. Latavius Murray's I'm, a big dude. I'm thinking Blake Corm's going to be like in an Alexander Madison role for a while, and then may get a chance to be the number one back in about four years from now. And I think Corm's a good talent. Like I really I do. do. I just think that because of his build, similar to Bryce Young in the quarterback position, just may not be built out to be some franchise game changing running back. Yeah. I didn't and know Tavis Murray was so big. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we've seen running backs be way undervalued in the NFL. Like they don't they're not getting contracts. So I think teams are starting to see like he may get picked up, but he's gonna be in a role where he's gonna get limited touches, limited carries his first few years and you know, he's got the boomer bus. So, yeah. <clears throat> That's fair. That's fair. I just want to talk about that. And then one more thing before we move on. Will Washington or Michigan be remote contenders next year? No. If Harbaugh's gone, definitely not Michigan. Or I shouldn't say definitely not because there are still blue blood programs that, that can still bring the talent in. But if Harbaugh's gone – there are players that are going to leave and they already have a lot of seniors leaving too. that, that yeah. roster was senior deep. So yeah. Washington as well. I mean, I think Washington has zero shot. Yeah. Washington I mean, they're, going they're to the big 10 too. It's going to hurt them. And it's going, they're going to the big who, 10. It's, it's, who it's did they hurt. get though? Didn't they pick somebody up in the transfer portal quarterback wise? I, I don't know if they did or not. I thought they picked up a bigger name. I could be wrong. I don't know if who I'm thinking of. They got, yes, they got Will Rogers from Mississippi state. Yeah, oh, it's not bad, but no, not I agree. Much they're losing a lot. But yeah, yeah. One thing I'll say All about right. college football. Last thing I'll say is I am very, very 
confident in the trajectory of Mizzou's program. Well, oh my God, yeah. Before, because we're not going to bring this up when we talk about NFL coaches, Nick Saban retiring, retired today. Um, huge, huge, huge news. And now there's speculations of a million different people going there. The first two that jumped to my mind, which I think not a lot of people talk. Well, some people were talking about the one was Kirby smart. I could see him taking out the job and Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin, I think is way more likely. I could see Kirby smart after some of the talent. Like if Carson Beck gets through his tenure there, well, maybe that's where he fucking came, came up through the roots. Yeah. Was that out there? Yeah, I, if I'm not for sure, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Kirby smart went to Georgia. Did he? He looks like he'd, he'd go to Georgia, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> No, I think Lane Kiffin is the most obvious one. Um, I mean, some people are saying this program around, and yeah. now this yeah, place Kirk, or this position's vacant. So, yeah, Kirby Smart went to Georgia. He's not leaving. No way. He's built people that program. Are saying much. Harbaugh, which Harbaugh's not he leaving. He's going to go to the NFL. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Dabo. I could see that. I could see that. And then someone's. ESPN posted a graphic really. They did. James Franklin Manning. was on it too. And Dan Lanning was on it. I'm like, if if Alabama I, hires Dan Lanning, they're gonna be Vanderbilt for the next fucking few I years. I pray, I pray that Alabama goes and gets James Franklin. Because so, I think so that everyone, program would fall to the ground. So everyone's been watching college football, like you guys, like who started watching around the time when Saban took over Alabama. Everyone forgets that like from eighty two when when Bear Bryant left. The, yeah, one of the probably the best coach in college football history, Bear Bryant. From '82 till they hired Saban in '07, they were just oh. mid as fuck, mid like, and and some years not good. So I think we might be if they don't knock out a home run higher, then they could I, be in a situation too. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it really. There are maybe a select few home run names. Your Dabo's maybe your Harbaugh maybe and. I saw someone mention uh, Urban Meyer outside no, of like nightmare outside of like guys who are going to recruit any like mid tier recruit that planned on going to Alabama wanted to play for Nick Saban. So they're, yeah, they're jumping shit. You know, you know what well, I, I mean, saw it's... today? Uh, you do your point. Cause mine's a good segue. So you make your point and then I'll jump in. I will say to everyone wanted to go to Alabama because it's an, literally an NFL factory. You went to Alabama to play for coach Saban because you knew that your chances of being drafted exponentially went up. If you could go to Alabama and get on the field, your chances of being, because I think I'm pulling this out of my ass, but they had like the most NFL draftees in Saban's era than any other college by like leaps and bounds. So oh, that's why imagine. you went there. So that's why you went there without Saban that, that, that position and 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 that university becomes exponentially less attractive, and you can start looking at your Ohio States, your LSU's, your um, Florida's. Like the 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 it, the the options open up, and especially now with I think Saban now got Texas. out. I, I'll say this: Saban got out because of the changing landscape of college football and the NILs and the transfer portal. He didn't oh, want to yeah. deal with this shit anymore. He was done with it. He's gonna go. He's gonna be great on TV, by the way. I've seen him on Pat McAfee's show. I didn't think he'd be very good. He was amazing on Pat McAfee's show. Oh, I think yeah. he's going to be great, great in the booth somewhere. Yeah. And as I, much uh, as, sorry. As much <laughs> as we hate Alabama throughout the years, uh, dude, maybe, I mean, I'd have you to look at the, the resumes. <laughs> look at their resumes <laughs> yeah, I, side I, by I, side. I, 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 
I think he probably might have overtook Bear Bryant uh, for greatest college football coach ever. So I think uh, it's hard to argue against it. Dude literally went to high-level bowl games basically every year of his career. So I'm going to run through Saban's 10 years as a college coach real quick. Starting in 2000 LSU, 8-4, won the Peach Bowl. Uh, 10 and three won the Sugar Bowl. Eight and five won the Cotton Bowl. 2003 won the National Championship. 13 and one. 2004 nine and three lost his bowl game. Went to the NFL. Coached the Dolphins. Missed out on Drew Brees. Um, then came back to Alabama. His first year not that great, but won a bowl game. Then from there, 12 and two, 14 and 0, 10 and three, 12 and one, 13 and one, 11 and two, 12 and two, 14 and one, 14 and one, 13 and one. I mean, like just dude never lost more than two games after. 2010 and won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven national championships. Eight, if you include um, LSU. That's just silly. It's, ins- it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. So well, he won. He won six with Bama. But yes. Sorry, um, seven, seven total. Yeah. Yep. Um, but just, his tenure is un- I mean, it's unrivaled. That's why I say I don't know. If, I don't know if you can argue it anymore. I think he is the greatest college football head coach of all time. I would agree. It's, it's really hard to argue against that level of success continuously. Um, now the point that I wanted to make, cause I think it's a good segue, unless you guys have any final points on college football in general, you take um, it, let's go. Is, I don't think it's going to happen. Go. Yep. I don't think it's going to happen. Cause I, I do agree that I think his next move is into the booth, but I saw a lot of speculation today that nope. with the news of Pete Carroll, it makes a whole lot of sense. He followed Pete Carroll after USC slide right into that Seattle Seahawks role and, no, and take off the head man. coach there. He's done. Yeah. Yeah, he's done. He 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 gave the he NFL shot. The NFL waters. Yeah, bad. Did not did not go well. Um. So yeah. Not, well, what about Belichick sliding into the Bama role? <laughs> Good God. <laughs> no, Belichick. He'd probably kill somebody. Oh my God. Yeah. Belichick's either going to go to L.A. or Seattle. That's the only two spots to me that makes sense. I think he's going to the couch. Um, I was going to say yeah, I don't think he's going. That's anywhere. just me. Yeah. Yeah. But, All right. Yeah. With that being said, we had a pretty eventful week in NFL. I want to talk about some of the week 18 disastrous fall apart. Do we have to? Do we have to? Yep, (laughs) we sure do. Let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguars collapse. Five five of their last six. Brutal. Um, Absolute. This is worse than the Dolphins fall apart. Don't care which way you slice it. I mean, you basically have the division locked up and then. Trevor Lawrence deals with a lingering injury and not to mention that, but you're just, your defense crumbles completely. Um, all they I had think, to do was beat the Tennessee Titans who were playing for nothing, but apparently it looked like they were playing for everything. Also, I know Jarrett and a lot of other people get, are giving Trevor Lawrence a lot of backlash. Come on. <laughs> How can you not? Okay. But there's people like, Oh, He's a bust. Yada yada. Let's pump the brakes. All right, all right. I'm gonna say this: You rag on Tua so much. If Tua makes those makes those plays that Trevor Lawrence is making on Sunday, Travis, you were you are fucking ripping him a new asshole. It was it was horrendous. the The way he was missing those throws, Ethan. Did you, did you watch the game? He is hurt. No. But yeah. But he I, is hurt. Tra- okay. All right, I'm just gonna bite my tongue there because I will I say think- I will also say this: Tua has twice 
as good as athletes and players that Trevor Lawrence has. I mean, I, you could argue that Trevor Lawrence is Calvin Ridley. He has Travis Etienne. I mean, he has he has some dudes. He has Calvin some dudes. Ridley. Calvin Ridley. But I, I hear you, Jarrett, but then you look at the Dolphins and they got Tyreek Hill, <laughs> Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, A-Chan, like all dudes who are running faster than any, okay. any given – Tell me star. how many tell me how many <laughs> games all four of those guys have played on the same field at the same time this year. But they he still has one, and any one of either Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are better than any receiver that the Jaguars have probably combined on the field at all times. I'm taking I'm taking Tua over Trevor Lawrence every day of the week and twice on Sunday. After what I after what I've seen from him. He, to me, he just neither of the guys have, have any clutch. Trevor Lawrence or Tua had uh, they don't uh, have clutch ability. Who's won a playoff game? Oh my god! Yeah, cool. <laughs> to, to hey, to to be fair, two hasn't played in one yet, so we're 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 about to find out on Saturday. Yeah, find out on um, Saturday. If if two his fingers don't fall off, um, but yes, I I will say this. I think Trevor Lawrence is still a good talent. I think yes. he was a bit overhyped, um, yes. be, coming into the season because there were people that were saying MVP. Like he was going to be the MVP this year. Top five quarterback. I heard a lot of preseason predictions of of him being MVP this year. Still, I still think he's a great quarterback. I think he's fringe top ten, fringe Um, top top fifteen. But yeah, and that I think he will come back better next year if he's healthy. It's tough when you have it was a it was a foot injury, right? So it's it's tough to throw the ball when high ankle sprain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll give him that. You got to give him benefit of the doubt there. If he's trying to play through it, you know, I guess. It could, you could go back to like, well, are you making a good team decision if you're trying to fight through it? But would you rather have a, a slightly less healthy Trevor Lawrence or CJ Beathard throwing the ball? And that's kind of Bro, where I, I don't. I so here's here's where I'm at with it. I think if they had CJ Beathard in the game on Sunday, they probably would have played a more smart. I think they put the ball in Trevor Lawrence's hands too much. We go back to the previous week. I, I get, I know they played the Panthers, but they ran the ball a lot more. They were a very run-heavy team, and I just don't understand so many coaches in this league that get away from running the ball when it's fucking working. I don't understand it. I don't know if it's like a confidence thing or like an ego thing, um, but the Jaguars collapsed, and I texted Travis this. I'm using the Travis, my father-in-law. I think Doug Peterson should be on the hot seat for what happened there. Like That's that horrendous. My third point on this, um, his coaching decisions are less than stellar. Uh, to say the least uh, yeah. all the time he always kicks himself in the ass which is a very very similar thing to what mike mcdaniel does so now with that we can talk about them i have a couple others but it fits right in um they choked the division away in typical miami dolphin fashion um just a horrendous game and we've talked about this time in time out mike mcdaniel out coaches himself all the time yeah. tries to get way too cute when you know things are running play action find a seam find you know gaps and run coverage. the fucking ball run the fucking ball we are devon achan was averaging seven something yards yards a carry and we ran the ball like four times the second half i just don't get it man and to mike it, it, people who are saying mike daniel's seats warm i think that's ludicrous we went to back-to-back playoffs for the first time in like 20 plus something years Doug Peterson has been around long enough to know that, that he has the tenure and the experience to know you can't do that. McDaniel's still learning. I still think that his question, his decision-making is questionable. Um, if it's but, the same I mean, way a year from now, and we're having this oh, 100%, conversation 100%, 365 days from now, he's mm-hmm. got to be, 
He's got to be fired, not even on the hot seat. Um, Because they fired Brian Flores after he went 19 and 14 in his last two seasons because we did make the playoffs. So is that leads to the last question for the Miami Dolphins. Should they be looking for a replacement quarterback within the next year? I want to hear Ethan's thoughts on this because I don't know how how much Ethan knows about our contract situation. Yeah, when does he get paid? He we have we he's still on his rookie deal next year. We have, we have his fifth year option next year. Well, it's fifth year option though, right? So they can opt out of it. Yes, like going into next year. Yes, correct. I I I'm again. I don't think two is some terrible quarterback, but if there's somebody on the board in the draft or somebody in free agency that you can get um, that you trust more. I don't know how you don't pull the trigger. And that's, so, yeah, that's ha- the only thing I'm saying is because you save money if you get somebody out of the draft. And if somebody does slip, like say, I don't even know who would be like, I, I know maybe we aren't super big believers in Jaden Daniels in the NFL, but a, a guy like that, let's just pretend like say a guy like that just somehow falls to them in the first round. I'm jumping on that immediately. Like, so I, that's, I have a veteran quarterback that I think we should bring in whether or not he's a starter that I think would work well in this offense, who's proven he can win in this league. Very, very accurate. Ryan Tanner. Passer. <laughs> Kirk Cousins. I, I was going to say, if you're bringing in Kirk Cousins, though, he's starting. The, the dude's still got it in him. So. Yeah. That would be but I'm saying there's there's options out there. If they're looking at, at the cap space, but the problem is that the Dolphins are going to be in cap hell, and that's why I think they keep two around for another year. And see what he does. Like he clearly he played his first full season this year, by the league in passing yards, like obviously faltered down the stretch. Let's the see what problem, he does. The problem with that is you're putting a lot of eggs in one basket because if Tua doesn't if Tua doesn't perform next year or he doesn't, you know, take this team where you want this team to be, you're almost in rebuild mode. So gonna have well they're close, they're close now anyway. They they went all in to win. To Ethan's point, if a, if a quarterback falls in the draft and late in the first round, he's there to pick. You have to take him because you have like. And again, you don't have to start right away. Let's look at Aaron Rodgers. Look at Jordan Love. Like the Green Bay Packers, Ethan's team is great about this drafting a guy and letting him sit and learn. I I'm not I'm not a huge fan of drafting a quarterback in the first round and throwing him in the fire right away. Like Tua didn't do it either. Tua didn't do it either. He didn't start till like week nine or something his, his rookie year, which I think was forced upon Brian Flores at the time. So. I'm not saying two is the guy, but I'm not saying they should completely like abandon ship after the comeback he had playing the entire season and leveling and passing yards. It's tough to move away from a guy like that. Fair enough. Fair enough. We got two teams left. This next one that I want to talk about, they, even though they didn't really collapse, they did what they had to do. They missed out on the playoffs. Seattle Seahawks, uh, who now obviously Pete Carroll is not the coach of them any longer. Um, I think, and this is a take that I think we can all have, uh, they make the playoffs if Drew Locke plays down the stretch instead of Geno Smith. After that comeback game when he threw the game when he touched on the Jackson Smith and Jigba, I don't know. I'm not saying Drew Locke is a guy that's going to lead a franchise to a championship. We can all agree that that's not going to happen, right? right? Okay. But the momentum where he had in that season – I don't know how you can't move forward with it because Gino looked like shit ever since he came back. Ever after that play happened, like he did not look good. I saw something too where it was like, oh, he had six fourth quarter comebacks this year, and somebody was like, yeah, because he played like ass the first three quarters of every single game. <laughs> so that's why he had that many comebacks. He had to dig himself out of a hole. Um, 
And so I was, I had to think about that. And I think a big reason why, what my thought is that they were like, Hey, Pete Carroll, you can move into the front office and have some decisions or we're moving on from you. Yeah. Because this is it. He was 14 seasons in Seattle. He had one playoff win over the last seven years. Yes, he had a good record, 137, 80, and one with him, but he had zero playoff wins over the last four years. Yeah. People yeah, are kind of astonished by the like him not being the coach, but how yeah. long can you keep a guy around that's not winning well, they've anymore? They've been 500 the last, what, two or three years? So like you're, you're hovering around average. You made the playoffs last year. Yes, I get that. And then you didn't. You just missed out this year. One game difference. You you beat the Steelers. You're you're in, right? Yeah, you're in. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's tough. It's a tough to it's a tough call to make. It's similar with what I think the Patriots are going through with Belichick. Not on as high of a level, I guess, because Belichick has obviously had way more success um, with making the decision to move on from a guy who's a little bit past his heyday. And we, as I said earlier in our group chat. Pete Carroll is about 150 years old. So, <laughs> hey, <laughs> if I can look like that at his age, oh, for sure. The way the dad runs ball. around on the sideline, <laughs> dude. Whenever they, whenever, but, whenever they drafted DK Metcalf and like DK came into the into the into the draft room or whatever room, where took a shirt off. Pete Carroll took his shirt off and like dapped him up. And I'm like, dude, at that point in time, he's like 68, 69 years old. He was fucking cut at that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, to Travis point. If I look like that. Maybe it's just I figured it out. You got to just chew gum furiously. Oh, it burns calories by chewing yeah gum. by chewing gum. Yeah, <laughs> chewing gum and getting heated when your adrenaline's pumping on the sideline like he does. He, okay. He's jumping up and down on the sideline at least three or four times a game. I've never so, had any bad blood against Pete Carroll, even no. though that they played the Rams back in the day whenever the Rams were here. But still a good guy. Uh, yeah, best for him. The last game I want to talk about. And I want to get your guys' thoughts. I'm not even going to say anything about it until I want to hear. You, what you have to say is the New Orleans Saints and what we all think of the last play of the game. I see, see both sides. I see both sides of it. Jamal Williams hadn't scored touch touchdown all year after leading the league in rushing touchdowns last year. First of all, Jameis Winston is fucking one of one. You'll never see another guy <laughs> like him in the rest of your life. I hope he never retires. I mean, the, the one, the one argument I have. If you're gonna do that, don't do it in victory formation. So victory I have form. a caveat to that, though. I have a caveat. If they would have lined up not in victory formation, Dennis Allen would have called timeout, and he'd have been like, "What the fuck are you guys doing?" And, and so go out it, there and do it again. It was. But that's what I'm saying. That's what makes it shitty. Is like the defense at that point's not even trying. Yeah. No, so I'm not like, saying it's not. It's not shitty because it is to the defense to the Falcons. To that whole situation but if your entire team as a collective was like yeah let's let's get this guy a touchdown like we want him to get in there if you're dennis allen you have a right to be pissed if you're the falcon you absolutely have a right to be pissed but the team made the decision at the end of the day I mean, and they got their guy the touchdown arthur so. smith arthur smith is such a fucking bitch like well, i can't think of another job, coach. So. <laughs> i can't think of another coach that deserved that more than him in the nfl to just be embarrassed your last fucking game as an nfl head coach and well, just and then you're getting embarrassed. So, I mean, that touchdown did nothing. Right. Yeah. Hey, and again, just like, uh, I don't know if Jameis Winston actually said it, but somebody said it. They, when they picked the ball off, if they had ran it into the end zone, in. would it have made a difference? Like, would they have yeah, been mad yeah. then? 
And so, yeah, and the other thing down. that I will say too, and again, it doesn't make a huge difference other than just the numbers on paper. And again, I guess that does matter in some way is that Jamal Williams is in a contract year. He came off of a 17 touchdown career year. And then this year had none. So I think for them too, they're like, Hey, this dude wants to get paid. Let's at least get a stat on the board um, to yeah, give him something. More. So he might be making the league minimum next year. So <laughs> yeah. here that Cyrus, but, uh, our good, good buddy of the podcast, Cyrus, I'm sure he's listening right now. He had a tweet that I thought was perfect. He like quote tweeted out when Arthur Smith went up to Dennis Allen for the game and was like bitching and saying, fuck you, whatever. He said, maybe just maybe you shouldn't have ignored your best playmakers all year long. And like by not utilizing Bijan Robinson and, and fucking Kyle Pitts, um, another good buddy of the podcast, Sean Malone said, has said this numerous times too. Like I've never seen a guy who just refuses to get the ball in his playmakers hands, like more than, than him. And also that's what you get for drafting Desmond Ritter to be your quarterback. That's all I got to say there too. <laughs> I will, it, it, I'm not defending the guy, but only one of those guys. Can you be like, Hey, you get the ball every play. He can't throw it to Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Yeah, but he can. Um, he, he can choose how much how much of a snap share Bijan Robinson has, though. Yeah. Well, okay. two things. I was I was in the I was under the impression when they drafted him that they he was not even needed. Tyler Algier is perfectly fine. Yeah, and to be fair, I I still agree with that. I think Tyler Algier <laughs> had another great season. Being it's a, a very is a very is a very attractive job. I think it's a very attractive job. It if is because. Arthur Smith of the three seasons Atlanta. If anything, he might have been bad, but he was nothing but consistent. Seven and ten, seven and ten, seven and ten. Every single year. Yep. Twenty-one and thirty overall, zero playoff appearances. So it's not a surprise he got fired. But that team is not complete dog bad. shit. Their defense no. over the last three years has stepped up tremendously. I yeah. I'm not hesitating to say that I think they're a quarterback away. Not maybe not necessarily from winning a title. But they're a quarterback away division. from running that so, division. Like Vrabel, Vrabel, he got fired in Tennessee. Everyone's saying New England, but we don't know if Bel- Belichick's gone. I think Vrabel could would be a great fit in, in in Atlanta. A great fit. Belichick's definitely gone. Did you hear the way he answered yeah. his press conference and, questions? And Vrabel, to me, if I, I would not be surprised if they have a press conference in New England announcing that Belichick's not coming back, and then in the exact same press conference. Being like, and we'd like to welcome our new coach, Mike Vrabel, to the stand because he is taking that job. I don't see any way, shape, or form it doesn't happen. Yeah. And so that, yeah, that leads us into the last coach that I really want to talk about, which was Mike Vrabel, because everyone, everyone was super surprised. I wasn't that he got fired. I am not either. I want to get Ethan's thought on, it, and I guess Jared's thought on it as well. Six seasons with the Titans, he was fifty-four and forty-five as a head coach. Made the AFC Championship game his second year. Then lost back-to-back games in the playoffs, two years in a row, one one and done. Followed by a thirteen and twenty-one record over the next two years. He's declined every year in a row. Again, what are we doing if we're not making the playoffs or winning games? Yeah, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that he shouldn't have been fired. But over the last two seasons, I will argue this. He has had nothing to work with on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. He has had, he has a ragtag of dudes. And I know that we aren't huge Titans fans. I get that. I know that we aren't necessarily huge fans of defensive minded head coaches, um, but he's had nothing to work with. And so while I think that it was time for him to move on, 
It's just that he was never really been after he made those. And again, he also didn't do a whole lot when he made the playoffs during the stretch that he did have a pretty good team. Um, but it's just the last couple of years. I, I find it hard to blame it on him with how bad that roster was. I put some of the blame on him because over the last couple, two to three years, you've just been slowly pushing Derrick Henry out of the offense and out of the mm-hmm. town. I'll give so, you that. Yeah. And he also yeah. lost he also lost AJ Brown. AJ Brown clearly wanted out of there for some ungodly reason that we don't know. It could have been the coach, whatever. It comes from that bell check. The ball to him. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that that's true too. So I think Vrabel is gonna land somewhere clearly. I'm not surprised he was fired. Everyone, Taylor, Luan, and all the Titans faithful were like, what the fuck are we doing? I want to hear what Lucas's thoughts are on it. Um, but um, yeah, not surprised he's gone. He will he will land somewhere. In my opinion, if I were variable, taking the New England job is almost like another death sentence because they're in full re- rebuild mode. Like you got to go to a place. That's why I said Seattle or Atlanta is to me is the better option for him to go in there and take some of the successes that you had in Tennessee and carry them over in, in, into that team. He needs to go to a team that has offensive talent since he's not an offensive minded head coach somewhere that he could put his skills to work. Uh, you go to new England, they already have a good defense. Yeah. You, need you, know, where makes, you know, where it makes a lot of sense to me. LA chargers. They have Kellen Moore running the offense. They have nobody running that defense. They have an offense that's pretty ready, whether we're Justin Herbert's fans or not. A pretty ready offense, and they right. need a defense that needs some work. So, yeah, that's a good. The spot only thing with that is it's it's tough getting a head coach to come into a spot and not bring in his own his own guys. Like it's tough for a head coach to come in and be like, I'm going right, to take this like, role. Keep Kellen Moore, yeah, yeah, keep Kellen Moore and keep everybody else. So, I honestly would be surprised if the Chargers, if they don't get Belichick, if they go internal and just elevate Kellen Moore to head coach. Um, and then one last thing too, you mentioned the Falcons and him going there. I thought about this earlier today. I'll get your guys' thoughts on it too. Um, it, it it's one of those things that's probably not going to happen, but it makes a little bit of sense. If Jim Harbaugh went to the Falcons, he could have them draft JJ McCarthy, and I don't love that personally, but I could see that happening of him bringing his guy that just won a national championship to Atlanta with him when they need a quarterback. And again, we just talked about how much we don't think JJ McCarthy is a quarterback, but I could yep. just see that happening. We'll see. That would be yeah. gross indeed. Um, <clears throat> that being said, not a head coach that was fired, which rolls right into the, what I wanted to talk about next. Chicago Bears today, uh, was it today or yesterday? They fired the coordinator uh, and not their head coach. They are on the clock, first pick in the draft. What do you guys think they do with the pick? And what do you think they trade. should do with the pick? I think they trade should it trade back. out of it. Yeah. You do Justin Fields. Yeah. yeah. Caleb Williams to me is a, is a cancer. Like I, everyone's like saying he's the number one overall pick. He's literally just like Justin Fields. He's got a lot better of an arm than Justin Fields does, but he's the, he's an athletic quarterback. I think the bears can benefit greatly. The bears could trade back from one to two and then two to three, in my opinion. Um, because they could trade back from from one you need a and have for that number one pick first of all. That that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Everyone wants Caleb Williams. They should trade it. I, I Bart, Big Cat. I'm not a Chicago guy. I love I love Big Cat, and he's been like pounding the table to trade back for it because you got that pick from the Panthers. You don't need you a quarterback. So you can get so much more. And I, to me, in my opinion, like, I don't think Caleb Williams is going to make you that much better than Justin Fields. It already is. <clears throat> 
you're right so back was, in the same situation. Like if you trade back, you can start with the pieces that you need rather than just kind of right back to ground zero and then maybe a couple other pieces. Yeah. So I, I said this last week. I said that they should trade back, but I only think they have two options. I think their options are they trade back or they trade Justin Fields and try to get some picks with him as well because you're not drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. with the number one overall pick. I'm sorry. Like that, to me, that doesn't make sense. You're you're wasting a pick at that point. Not saying that he's not an outstanding talent at wide receiver. Not saying that wide receiver is not somebody that they should look for. But with the number one overall pick, they that get, seems like a stretch. They could get a Dunze at nine. Yeah. Well, they could get Marvin Harrison Jr. at three at if three. they trade back yeah. to three. Like, yeah. so someone, I'm just like, someone's, it makes someone's no going to want Drake May at two. Like Drake May, yeah. from everything I've read, everyone's like, he's the he's the most NFL ready prospect. I know we've said that about North Carolina quarterbacks a lot. Mitch Trubisky. Um and uh, can't remember the other guy that we've said it about. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Sam Howell. Daniel Jones went to UNC. Yeah. Sam Howell or Duke. Um, <laughs> someone's gonna guy. want gonna want Drake May at two, and you're looking at teams like New England, teams like um, who else is up there at, at the top who needs a strong Washington. Arizona's up there, but again, they're not drafting a quarterback. I don't think so. so. That's what I'm saying. Like you can you can trade back from one to two and then two to three. Get a haul, like Travis said, get probably two more additional first round picks, and then still get your guy at three. To me, that's the only option for the Chicago Bears. If they don't do that and they draft Caleb Williams, that just goes to show how big of a laughing stock that organization is. Yeah, and I'm my thing too is we just saw them do it last year and look how great it turned out for them. Like they traded back the number one overall pick. And got another number one overall pick this year because of it and DJ Moore. Um, and they got something else out of it too. I, I think they got a couple. So picks, I don't, it's just, I, they got a haul and they can do I, the same thing again. I don't want to like keep talking, make this a Dolphins podcast, but the Dolphins did this thing where they traded back for years in a row. And obviously it paid off. Those first round picks turned into Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, like all these guys that have made Miami where they're at now. Now, how's, has it turned anything? No, but I think that a lot falls on the culture of the organization and the coach. The Bears are probably in the same boat as that. Like, will they make it turn anything? No, maybe not. But the opportunity is there. I think Justin Fields over these over the last half of the season, and everyone's saying that they should have moved off from Eberflus. I disagree. Like, it, it was a almost a Flores type situation where he came back, had a good second half of the year. When the Dolphins fired Flores, I was not happy. I was happy with the guy they got, but Eberflus is, the, is the, in the same camp. Like I think they could have gone his first year, of, right? Second year, third year, mm-hmm. second. Year? It might be third year. With I don't think it was his third. Uh, it's at least his second. I know that much. Either way, yeah. You just again, you get into the situation where you just can't keep moving pieces around. You got to at least try something out. And they weren't horrendous. They were to no. start the year, and then they kind of picked up steam once everyone was healthy. Well, and they, um, I was going to say, they were starting Tyler Bajan for second years. So. Second, yeah. yeah. So. Miami, but either 13, way, in year one, and then seven and ten this year. That's an improvement. Like, you're trending the right direction. You have the draft capital. You got to keep that guy in house. That, that's my opinion. Like, yeah. offload assistance like he did. Thoughts on it because, like I said, they are on the clock, and there's a lot of speculation about what they should do with the pick. Yeah, um, and the last thing that I will say about the Bears is it doesn't matter if you're going to draft a quarterback or keep the quarterback you have, because you will always have a better quarterback in Green Bay. Doesn't matter. The our oh, first year quarterback set franchise records for you guys this year in his first year. So, yeah. 
All right. There we go. Got to, got to throw in Ethan's little brother uh, <laughs> talk in there. But before we roll into the teams that actually didn't fail in week 18 and made the playoffs, before we get into wild card weekend, we got another game, grid game, whatever you want to call it, coming at you right after the break. All right. As Travis mentioned, we are doing another grid game. Um, I kept the NFL theme games. for you boys. Um, I, I enjoy the grid games. I enjoy kind of seeing where your guys' heads are with some of these statistics that I pull out of my ass, like last week with the Miami Dolls. Uh, I found before I started Stat Muse. Don't know if you guys use it. Don't know if you've ever heard of it. You can just type in any stat you want to know, and it will bring that shit right up. Um, and it's not just every for like stat a player. I... It can be like, yeah, it's crazy. Every it didn't stat. Know it existed. I try to look for in that thing. I get an error. So yeah. I don't know if I'm looking for too obscure shit. I was looking for some obscure shit for the for the yeah. wild card weekend picks, and I was the one I was texting you guys about, and I was like, I can't fucking find this anywhere. Yeah, I so. did not know that that site even existed. Literally for the Miami Dolphins one last week, I had to go into ESPN and look at like year by year rushing touchdown scores for the Miami Dolphins when I probably could have just typed that shit in. But um, but I typed this one in this week. Um, it is a more normal number than 21 this week. There are 25 of them. Um, it is a slightly more specific category. I am going to let Travis start first this week because he won last week. I need you boys to give me the top 25 rushing leaders in terms of r- rushing yards since 2010. This is not by year. This is career, but okay. since 2010. Okay. Okay. Rushing leaders career so like, right so it won't be it so won't be if, their entire career statistics if they started before 2010 but if they i'm gonna pull a number out of my ass this is not one from here but say that running back had 8,000 yards from 2010 to 2018 and he is in that top 25 he would be in that top 25 even okay. if he had 5,000 beforehand those don't count all right travis uh, go <clears throat> Um, let's go with Ezekiel Elliott. He is number five. Wow. And I, again, I have some context clues down the line if you guys need them. So, okay. Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I mean, I'm gonna go with the easy one. This is, should be a layup. Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, while not a layup is on here. Um, he is a little bit down the line. I'm not about to count, but he's somewhere in the 15 range. Okay. Um, this is risky because it's only a handful of years. Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is number 10 on this list. Okay. This should be, this might be number one. Adrian Peterson. Number three. I was thinking about that, but I wasn't for sure. Um, don't know how many years he played in this the pool. Jamal Charles. That is a fantastic pool because he is number 21. Nice. All right. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch falls in the uh, top 10. He is number seven. Um. Hmm. This is a I'm I'm trying to get deep pulls here. Legarrett Blunt. Oh my god, no way. 
That is a fantastic pull. He is number 13. Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. I'm going to go with. He has to be on your Frank Gore. Number two. Yeah. <clears throat> Melvin Gordon. Number on here. I know that much. Where's he at? Number 12. I think that's what that is. I didn't have him numbered. I'm just going down the line, but I think he's number 12. But yes, he is on. All right. All right. I might go with my first risky pick here, but I know he played the. It was on the tail end of his career. Steven Jackson. Oh, I love that pick because when I was looking earlier, he was on the rushing leaders from 2000 to 2023, but he is not on this list. He was actually number three on that list, I believe. Yeah. I know he had a lot uh, of great years in the 2000s, but he played post 2010 for a little bit. So, yeah. Okay. Strike one on me. All right. All right. <clears throat> uh, Todd Gurley. The other Rams running back is indeed on here. He is number 22. All right. Travis is pulling from the bottom of the barrel down here. He is pulling from the bottom of the barrel. He's, <laughs> he's, he's killing me right now. Oh, man. I It's a risky pick because of how young he is. I'm trying to think of all these guys that Travis named and like how many rushing yards they probably had. Fuck it. I'm going to go with the teams that run a lot. Jonathan Taylor. He's not on here. <gasps> Damn. Damn. What? Again, we're not doing three strikes. We're just doing doing whoever okay. gets the most. Um, okay. All right. Because it seems like this is no, a we got it. We got, it's not, okay. we got it. 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 Well, Jared's got two strikes in a row. <laughs> uh, Dalvin Cook. Yes, he is number... 18. Derrick Henry. I'm surprised it took that long. He is number four. Mm. Alvin Kamara. That's the last one on this list at number 25. That's what I was going to guess next, you fucker. All right. <laughs> um, hmm. Hmm. Oh. Um, the guy who played in Fuck, Travis, he played for the Dolphins for a little bit. He was huge in, in Houston. I know. That's my uh, next pick. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Better get he, the name he's right. On, he's on Barstool now. Fuck. Arian Foster. Yes. Arian Foster is number 17 on this list. Yeah. Um. Oh, Saquon. No. Yeah. What? No Saquon yeah. Barkley. Um, I guess Marshawn Lynch. This is maybe a guess, Ethan, but I'm gonna go with your with your with your team, Aaron Jones, number twenty three. Yep. Really. Um, so I'm not giving anything away here, but you guys are missing number one. Yeah, I don't <laughs> right. know. I'm just well aware. Yeah, yeah, we're well aware. Um, this might be too early. Doug Martin. Oof, good pick. I don't think he's on here, but let me double check. He is not. I just I don't think Doug Martin had the longevity. He is so right. good for like his peak, but forgotten name here. Matt Forte. 
What a great pool. He is number eight. Nice. Eight or nine. I think Marshawn Lynch was number eight, so he's number nine. Yeah. The longevity wasn't, the longevity wasn't long here, so I know it's wrong, but I got to throw it out there. Uh, Monty Ball. A great running back, but yeah, longevity was not there. This, now Travis got me on Broncos running backs. No Sean Moreno? Mm-mm. Damn. So I'm at four strikes. Travis at three. Shit. Um... You have nine players remaining out of your twenty-five. I think I think I have my next one. Yeah, I do. I do. You're missing number one, number six, number nine, eleven, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. I don't think I don't think twenty-four. I don't think he played this long. Uh, Reggie Bush. Nope. Priest Holmes. Not on that one either. All right. What the fuck? Would you like some yes. context clues? All right. Of everybody that you guessed. Missing number one, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, there's a few on here. I'm surprised. Out of everybody that you've guessed, there are one, two, three. Three active guys remaining. Um, And then your range of yards is 5,864 to 10,465. Did I say Dalvin Cook? You did. Okay. So what? What was the last one? So you've got a range of 10,000, like 800-ish to 5,600-ish. It's about 5,000-yard gap, but you also are missing number one, so that significantly upticks the top. I'm just trying to think of who might have been number one. Frank Gore's two? Mm Mm-hmm. Number one was well-traveled, but had his peak years with really two teams. One team he really stood out with. Um, traveled towards the end of his career with a few teams. Won a Super Bowl. Maybe won two Super Bowls. Um, and then you're missing a guy who recently is inactive. He might still be active in terms of NFL, but he is not on a team to my knowledge. Um <clears throat> A I'm backup running drawing, back currently in the league. Drawing blanks. Um, I'm going to go with. There's another guy that got traded from Arizona to Houston. In the DeAndre Hopkins trade, but I feel like it's on there. Fuck, what's his name? I can't. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Ethan is. Um, is he on there? You know, no, talking about him. He's not. You're really close David on the Johnson. name. David Johnson on there? No. Really? I'll let you guys call it when you want to, but we can keep yeah. rolling them off. We still got like seven left. There, I, I mean, there's. I can't believe there. we haven't got number one. Think of hey, I, I told know. you, you still got three active players. Think of some active players who've been in the league for a little while that are starting. Have had, that have had. Well, I told you one of them's a backup currently, but the other two are starters that you haven't already named. You've already named some active guys, obviously. Oh, oh, fucking, um, no. Got to start naming him. I was going to say Dalvin Cook. Uh, <laughs> uh, Leonard Fournette. No, he's, I mean, I guess he is active, but he's not on here. Um, one of these guys is a lot bigger than Travis thought he was. <laughs> Latavius Murray. Mm-hmm. Latavius Murray is the backup that I was mentioning. Um, then you've got, yeah, 
he is counting is hard. Um, 13, I think is what it was. He's right below Le'Veon Bell by two yards, actually. So he's probably broken it if this is last year's stats. Not sure. Oh my God. Austin Eckler. Jesus fucking Christ. No, not even close. What? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, started like you've got years an ago. AFC North running back. Two AFC North running backs are your other two active players. Sorry. Oh, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. And uh, Kareem Hunt. Teammate. Really, Chubb? Nick Chubb. Oh, yeah. Wow. This dude's been a baller for like five years. I'm surprised Kareem <laughs> yeah, Hunt's I... not on that list. Well, Nick Chubb is uh, borderline top 10. Um, and then Joe Mixon is two below him. The guy in between had a monster season back in like 05, or sorry, not 05, like 2012. All right, I'm calling it. I, this, I, yep. I, I need, I need to know fine. who it is. It is uh, CJ2K, okay. Chris Johnson is in here. Oh my um, God. Between I didn't Mixon think that he, see, I was going to guess him, but I didn't think that he was active for that long. Who's number yep. one? Who's number one? I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to save that for last. At 24, you have Lamar Miller, another guy who was in Houston for a while. Miami. Miami. Yeah. And Miami. But he was in Houston, too. And then you've got uh, Alfred Morris, known Washington Redskins running back. uh, I believe that is 20. Then you've got, I already mentioned Mixon, Chris Johnson, Nick Chubb, Latavius Murray. DeMarco Murray cracks the Ah. top 10 with his big years with Tennessee and uh, the Cowboys. Dallas, yep. Mark Ingram was the guy who I don't think is active anymore, but might have been on a team at some point this year, but is not. Um, he was. And then at number one, Shady, LaShawn McCoy. Really? He played pretty much all of 2010 and up until, what, last year? Had a big run with the Bills, the Eagles. Wow. I, just, with the Bucks. I would have never guessed that. <clears throat> yeah. I wouldn't have won guessed that. Super Bowl either. with the Chiefs. Well, our football knowledge and anything we have to say just went out the Again, window. You got 18 of 25. You, that's a pretty good run for having no precursors. Because again, for those listening, I don't give them any context of what I'm going to throw out here before the show starts. Nope. All blindsided. So, All good right. round, boys. I don't know who won. I, I'll have to tally it. Yeah, it was probably honestly half and half. It was literally eight and eight because <laughs> you guys technically both guessed because I gave you a hint on Latavius. He got mixed yeah. and you got Chubb with hints. So it was technically nine and nine, but yeah. So pretty, pretty even split. Uh, those are fun. Those of you who are probably sitting in your car, sitting at your desk, sitting at home, probably like <laughs> motherfucking idiot. It's this person. Uh, Screaming. Yeah. We also a lot harder. <laughs> a lot harder when you're put on the, on you know, and you're trying so it's to nice. So for those, the TikTok channel that does this, that I've mentioned before, BDG. what's nice about them, and maybe I'll start doing it, is that they have the graphic up of at least like the team logo and the Logos. total yards that are underneath. That would help um, a ton. So you can see but, like, oh, Packers guy, 6,000 yards since 2010. Yeah. There's really only one guy it could be because it's not going to be Eddie Lacy. <laughs> is That'd be a lot easier. Aaron Jones. Or so, a lot more helpful. Be, yep. Maybe Eddie Lacy ate, ate that many cheeseburgers, but that's, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> All right. Wild card weekend kicks off on Saturday, 3:30. We've got the Browns, two and a half point favorites going into Houston. The total is 44 and a half. 
rematch of week 16 where the Browns went into Houston and stomped them out 36 to 22. Take for granted the Texans didn't have CJ Stroud in that game. Uh, started Case Keenum and then put in Davis Mills to make a late comeback look like less of a blowout. How do you guys see this one go down? Um, what side of the game do you have? Could be the spread total. And then I've also got some player props to watch for the game. I got a stat for you guys in this game. Since 2004, there have been six quarterbacks, six rookie quarterbacks have won, have won a playoff game. Big Ben, Joe Flacco, Mark Sanchez, this one surprised me, TJ Yates, Russell Wilson, and Brock Purdy. TJ Yates was with the Texans. With in, the Texans. Yeah, 2015. Um, to me, this just doesn't – lay out a good path for the Texans to win. I watched them in that game against Indy, a game I think they probably should have lost, in in my opinion. Um, they should have. And Gibson catch that ball, they lose. <laughs> I think the Browns have a defense that's going to give – C.J. Stroud did not play in that first <laughs> game, but it's going to give him fits. I think it's going to give him some looks he's not used to looking at. I love the Browns minus two and a half. So That was kind of my thing. Sorry, Ethan. Uh, just because I want to go off what Jared just said, is that Stroud makes a difference in this game because he didn't play in the first one, yes. But we just saw him in the Colts game where outside of the 75-yard strike he had to open up the game, they tallied only 230 yards for the rest of the game on a middle-of-the-tier-ranked NFL pass defense. Now they get to play the best pass defense in the NFL, and what makes it even worse is that he has not faced them yet, so he has no idea what's coming to him. Yeah. So I want to throw one caveat in here. I didn't play a side on this. I actually have two player props that I really love, but I want to throw a caveat into what you guys just said, just to give you guys something to think about, because I saw this stat and that's what scared me away from taking a side at all. The Cleveland Browns this year have allowed 13 points per game when they're at home. One of the best defenses in the league on the road, almost 30, 29.6 points allowed on the road this year. Um, I don't know why they don't play good on the road defensively. I they, Their teams that they played on the road, yes, some very good, but also some not necessarily. Um, they allowed, again, that 22 points to the Texans with Davis Mills and Case Keenum when they played them earlier on the road this year. Um, so I just – that was the thing that I saw. And, again, it's not necessarily going to sway my opinion on how good that Browns defense is, but I was mind-blown at how big of a gap that was and that it was 13 to 29. Um, yeah. It was so 36 – the one – the one thing about that stat, which like you kind of, I don't know how many games are like this, but when they played them a few weeks ago in Houston, it was 36 to seven. So obviously you get people yep. starting to lay down and that kind of skews that number a little bit. Uh, I also had the Browns minus two and a half player props to watch. I think a layup that might be way too obvious because of what he did to him three weeks ago is Amari Cooper's yards over 74 and a half. Um, but if, the Texans are going to move the ball at all, and this has hit at least the last three weeks when I've taken it. They weren't out today because their injury report has yet to clear. Uh, was Nico Collins' yards? The seventy-one and a half is what I saw. Um, yeah, when I saw it earlier today. So I I like Nico Collins a lot. I didn't look at Amari Cooper's admittedly because I thought it would just be too high. Seventy-four is really not that high, or seventy-eight, whatever you said. Um, I thought it was going to be in like the mid eighties just because of how well he's played down the stretch with Flacco. I like um, I like Nico Collins in case this is a blowout situation where they're trying to claw back in, not going to run the ball hardly at all, 
if they do try to run the ball, Devin Singletary, good fucking luck because it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> um, so I, I I like Nico. Sorry, Travis. I like Nico Collins almost more than I like Amari Cooper because of the situation the game might play into. Where if they get down early, quick, they're gonna have to start throwing the ball a lot more because you know there is no saving guys anymore. Either you win or you go home. So so I'll, I'll build off that because I have two player props for you guys. This is these are my official bets for this game. The first one is Devin Singletary under 65 and a half rushing yards. I don't think he comes close. Um, I think that if they're down, they're throwing the ball a lot. If they're up, they're not doing it because of the run. Um, The Browns defense, although I just talked about how they can be a letdown on on the road, Devin Singletary is not the running back that you want facing this defensive front. And then my second one is David Njoku over five and a half receptions. The dude hasn't had less than that in his last four games, and he's averaging like 10 targets a game with Joe Flacco. Um, He's getting more looks than I think any tight end has gotten outside of Hawkinson this year. Um, so five and a half receptions for me, though high for a tight end does not scare me. I would like to, cause I was looking at that too. I liked it more at four and a half because he hasn't hit six in a lot of them when his yards are probably would probably hit over that. Uh, cause I had his receptions or yards that I was eyeing at uh, either one. To your point, Jared, about the game getting out of hand, I think if it does get out of hand, it's because they throw the ball early because Houston does have such a good run defense um, that they're going to have to throw the ball uh, to get up True. on them. So, True. Either yeah. way, we have that one. Like the Browns, give you a couple player props. The night game, Dolphins at Chiefs. Chiefs are four-and-a-half-point favorites, and the total is also 44 and a half. This takes place Saturday at 7 p.m., which is another rematch of a game we saw played in Germany back in week nine. Chiefs won that 21-14. However, we get a banged-up Dolphins squad that have dropped two in a row for the first time this year going into KC, which is projected to have below zero temps, not any snow on the field, not any accumulating anyway, I don't think. Um, and the windshield's probably going to be in the negative teens. So- I want to I want to jump in here because I have some strong thoughts about this. The narrative is going to be that you're going to hear all week is that the Dolphins are 0 and 10 in our last game in the last 10 games that have been under 40 degrees. Fine, they're a warm weather team. This and I talked to a lot of people about this. This is temperatures that I feel like no one wants to play in. It's no. That's what I told you. Yeah, you did tell me. It's not advantageous. And the more I thought about it, it's not advantageous to really anybody. Like Kansas City, are they used to colder weather? Absolutely. Not this cold weather. You have a Kansas City team that already struggles with catching the football. A Dolphins team that is good against the run. Granted, they're going to be down. They're two best pass rushers. They did sign a couple guys this week that I think can have Justin Houston, Bruce Servin. They still got Agba. They, they, they got Melvin Ingram. They got guys that aren't slouches, in my opinion. Um, I mean, Justin Houston had nine and a half sacks last year, played for Carolina this year. So take that with what you will. The big thing for me in this game is going to cut. And like, I think it's going to be obviously closer than a lot of people think. Um, everyone's, I see everyone and their brother taking Kansas City, no regards, Patrick Mahomes at home. That game they played in Germany is an anomaly because Tyreek Hill tried to do too much. The Dolphins are going to be almost at full strength on offense, I think. They're going to be down probably two off, two offensive linemen. I think Raheem Moser, I think Jalen Watt will play. Um, it just comes down to, to me, it's going to come down to a play where somebody makes a mistake, whether that's fumbling a snap, whether that's dropping a – fumbling the ball in, in, in opposing territory, 
that's what that's what this game is going to come down to. Um, I consciously to take the Chiefs at minus four and a half, I think, is egregious in my opinion. Yeah, um, I don't know. Just <clears throat> I also, I mean, I like the Dolphins at plus four and a half. Not, I mean, putting bias aside, just so I can get my heart broken twice. Uh, they held the Chiefs to 267 yards in Germany, limited Travis Kelsey to three catches on 14. We are talked about how their offense has not looked super impressive. Uh, both teams have been running the ball well. I think it's game's going to be won in the trenches. Both teams have a Miami has a little bit better to above average rushing yards allowed per game. KC's middle of the road. Um, but in the first meeting, Miami also didn't have a chance. They only strictly ran the ball with Raheem Mostert, who kind of ran rampant. If they can just stick to the game plan, I think it's close. However, they're probably going to end up losing by a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. I So I, I know you guys watch this team all year long. Um, it's hard for me to think that this Chiefs team is going anywhere. Um, with as bad as they've been on offense – with as bad as their pass catchers have been, with as frustrated as Patrick Mahomes has gotten, with as distracted as Travis Kelsey is, um, it's just it's one of those things where I this feels like the downfall year, and this feels like the game that it happens. I'm not saying I'm taking Miami outright, um, but I like Miami a lot more in this game than I like the Chiefs. I agree to your point that the weather is affecting both teams here. It doesn't make any sense to say that it's only affecting the Dolphins because it's not like it's 35; it's 35 below, um, yeah. especially with the wind chills. So I think that the Dolphins, though, have struggled down the stretch. I will admit that we've seen that. We've seen two a struggle. They've had, the they, they, had, they had that they had that Bills game in hand. That punt return. Yeah. Well, and also, I wanted to mention this earlier. Like caveat, I think that the Miami Dolphins are better off having lost that game. Do you really want to play the Bills back to back weeks and three times in the same? They year? were even at the, home. It's not the momentum that you want heading to the playoffs, but right. We had talked about me and Jared talked about it whenever the Jags lost, it's like, well, what's the point of even winning the game now? And then it was close and they were winning most of the game. And it's a heartbreaker that you don't want to see, yeah. but it's the better. And you're never playing to lose and you want to win the division. Absolutely. And I don't think the Miami Dolphins were playing to lose by any means, but when you're in this position, I get, you got to go on the road, but you're playing a team similar to the Eagles, in my opinion, that have, I mean, the Eagles have been worse off. We can get to that. Um, but the Chiefs have kind of struggled this year. They've looked a shell of themselves for the most part. Um, and you've got a Miami team that's coming in and nobody's believing in them. They've, you know, kind of hung their heads and they're, you know, I hate using the something to prove now because it feels cliche since Drinkwood's kind of made it a, made it a thing, but they got something to prove. And so I really like the Dolphins in this game. I'm not saying that's a pod pick to put, pick them out right, but the plus four and a half is, I think is a good pick. I did have a prop in this game too. You guys probably won't like this one, but I'll give you my logic behind it. It's the Tyree kill revenge game. Um, I think that they have to find ways to get him the ball in this game. If they want to win as cold as it is, I think you're going to see a lot of short passes, a lot of screen passes and Tyree kill is a guy that can get out in space and get the yards that he needs. I really like his over 83 and a half or his over in receptions, which I could not find, but I think it was like eight and a half or seven. I think it's seven and a half. I like I had the 85 and a half. With the revenge yeah. game, he hasn't had a big game in a while. I think he's due for one. On the flip side, I think that the Chiefs have gotten really into running the ball. I think they're going to have to try to run the ball. Pacheco has hit this in, I think, four of his last – or three of his last five and a lot of games prior. Over 15 and a half attempts is even money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's I like great. that one. I like that one a lot. He he runs angry. Um, he's he's going to get some chunk plays. 
Um, I saw something the other day where there's a video of him running and say, it looks like he's uh, the kid where your mom tells you when you're getting a new pair of shoes in the store to test them out and go running. <laughs> That's what he looks that was, like. That was from, I think that was from uh, the, uh, the the Kelsey Brothers podcast when they said that. I don't know like, what it was, but I saw it and I died laughing. So one thing I will say, and this was interesting stats to me, and I'll read this to you guys. So everyone's playing up the cold weather, which is going to be cold. At no 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 bones about it. But I found this stat where everyone's kind of like the cold matters so much. So this weather site I looked at, I looked at cold weather games in the NFL, which is which are games that at kickoff, the temperature is below 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So below freezing. And the stats are kind of intriguing. Punts average only three yards shorter and under and below freezing. So not, not the big of a difference. Pass, pass completion only drops 2%. Accurate field goals were reduced by less than 2%, and scoring stays roughly the same despite the cold temperature. So all that being said, I you know, this team, these teams the last time, time they played only had 40, 35 points. I'm just saying, like, the cold temperatures, I think, are going to be a factor. Yes, um, they're going to be as big of a factor as what everyone's making it out to be because I, I think also, all those – Yeah, they can, I was gonna say, they can stay warm. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to the to the New Heights podcast today just because I wanted to hear what they had to say about how things have kind of went down over the last couple of weeks. And they were talking about like all the heated benches and stuff. And Jason Kelsey said that the heated benches burn you like burn your ass. They're so hot. So like yeah. they can get warm pretty quick if they want to. Yeah. And also I was gonna say Arrowhead can prove me wrong because I, I don't have a statistic to back this up. But imagine being a fan and trying to yell when it's like negative five degrees outside just continuously. I don't think that place is going to be as loud as it normally is because I cannot imagine as cold as I would be sitting there being like, ah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be full, but I don't know how crazy full it's going to be. I mean, that weather is well, even even like I'm just saying, like screaming the whole time, like you're going to run out of energy and you're already using a bunch just to keep yourself warm. So. All I know is my golf ball gets knocked down in the cold weather, so maybe the shout, <laughs> shouting and yelling does. But there we have it. We've got the Browns minus two and a half, Dolphins plus four and a half. We head to the Sunday slate. Noon on Sunday. Steelers at Bills. Bills are 10-point favorites. Total is 36 and a half. This is what I got for you guys. I know we talked about weather, Jarrett, and we talked about it not being a factor in a whole lot of games. Looking like even worse, possibly, than the game in Kansas City. They're predicting a high of 23 with 20 to 30 mile an hour winds and one to three inches of snow. Feels like, I mean, it depends on if it's snowing during the game. Um, It's supposed to be snowing throughout the day. Because I was going to say, if it was snowing before the game, we've seen what happens there. The field gets cleared beforehand and we're like, where the fuck is the snow? Um, but if wind. it's snowing during, I think that well, the wind definitely like the wind. I want I think that that under even as low as it is because of the wind, field goals get knocked down, extra points get knocked down. It's harder to throw the ball in the air when the wind is blowing as hard as it is. Um, so the under could be intriguing. An in-game teaser could be intriguing because the one the one statistic that I had is that this year when the Steelers <clears throat> lose, and I do think they lose this game. When the Steelers lose, they get their ass spanked in say, games yeah. this year. Yeah. I love the Bills minus 10. This, this like, team, I, I do too. That was what I had. It's a big spread. So, 
like well, like heading heading back to it, I think I was gonna relate this, but when we talk about Miami, I think if Jacksonville wins that game, I think Waddle and Mostert suit up. To Travis's point, to Ethan's point, like no one wants to lose a division. But when you're looking at it, like okay, do we really want to play this Bills team twice in a row? Let's save our guys for the more important games. Um, and I think they 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 give them a run for their money there. The Bills minus ten to me is too easy of a pick at home and this extreme weather. Mason Rudolph's probably going to be your quarterback. I think the Bills pick pick him apart, um, and this may be like a twenty to three game, honestly, in my opinion. So, so the under could very easily hit, but I love the Bills minus ten. Well, I guess we're not taking it because I have the Steelers plus ten. The only reason that is because I was just looking at the games and I was like, the last few Steelers losses they got they lost to the Colts thirty to thirteen. They lost to the Patriots by three, but it's the Patriots and we've seen what they look like. They lost to the Cardinals twenty four to ten. They lost to the Browns 13 to 10. Um, so that was a close one. But then they lost to the Jags 20 to 10. They lost to the Texans 30 to 6 and the Niners 30 to 7. Um, so they just, when they've lost, they've just gotten blown out. And that's over the course of the year, not cool. just like at the beginning. Actually, of the year. Well, Actually, they are 10 and 7 against the spread, and the Bills are 7 and 10. Um, so if you want to look at those numbers, you say they get blown out. I don't think the Bills really blow out a whole lot of teams. I think also I was not blown away by the Bills' run defense last week. If Miami continues to run the ball, I think they have success with the dual-headed monster you have in Pittsburgh. I think they can find a way to move the ball. I think 10's a lot in the playoffs, especially with what we've seen this Pittsburgh team do over the last few weeks. Um, with that being said, I like Pittsburgh plus 10. I also love, love, love Najee Harris over 15.5 attempts. I like that play because especially with the wind yeah. and the cold and the he's snow, had over 20 sure. the last two weeks and 19 the week before. Yeah. God, I saw a stat somewhere though, where like it, it, it favors the under whenever winds are, cause Travis said 20, 30 mile hour winds when winds are 15 plus miles per hour in the playoffs or like, over like the last like 10 years, the under is an insane an insane hit rate. Um, Obviously had, I lagged out and had to come back. So I didn't hear what the under actually was. 36 and a half. It's very low. It's low. I think Najee's over in carries is probably the better player because they're not going to lean on Mason Rudolph to win this game. I would love to see Pittsburgh win this game. Don't get me fucking wrong. Would love yeah. to see that. Oh, I'm not but, saying yeah. I mean, I'm not saying they win. I just think they keep they can keep it close with this weather. Uh with how much Josh Allen turns the ball over. It's gonna be nasty weather. He already has some errant throws, what the wind's gonna do. Yeah, and the, and the weather definitely makes a difference because when I looked at the the minus ten and the stats and stuff, that was me clear day, fifty degrees, things like that, you know. So if it's going to be cold, snowy, and windy, that can change the outcome, especially in the favor of the Steelers because if it's a low scoring game, it means the Bills aren't scoring a lot, which means harder for them to win by ten if they're only putting up thirteen. All right, so Najee's over and carries. That's the play. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Next game, we've got Ethan's Packers going into AT&T. The Cowboys are favored by seven and a half. The total is 50 and a half at 330. Oh, right. I got tough. I got I got a stat. I got to play in this game. The stat backs up. Dallas. Okay, here we go. Let me pull this up. Um in their last five playoff games at home, sorry, last four playoff games at home, 
They are 0-4 against the spread. They have not covered a spread in a home playoff game since 2010. Further back, going back to 1996, they are 1-6 at home in the playoffs <laughs> against the spread. I hate, I hate those stats. You want to know another stat, Jarrett? What? The Packers have never lost an AT&T Stadium. There you go. <laughs> they're 9-1, and one, I think, in their last 10. They've never that. lost an AT&T Stadium. I saw a stat on that the other day, including not the Super saying, Bowl. against the Cowboys. Not saying they're going to win, guys. But the plus seven and a half for me is too hard not to take. I've seen Dallas play. Um, just their inability to cover at home is in the playoffs. And just Dallas in the playoffs overall is concerning to me. Um, so I like I like Green Bay plus seven and a half. The only problem that I – we and Travis talked about this the other day that I know as a fan and watching the Packers play and also seeing the Cowboys play because Carissa, my wife, is a big Cowboys fan – we watch all those games too, is that CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott could win those this game by themselves. CeeDee Lamb could catch 20 passes for 300 yards and three touchdowns because that's how bad this Green Bay secondary is. Um, I, I will say this as a caveat to that. Jordan Love has been the best quarterback in the NFL statistically since like week 12. He has 18 touchdown passes to one interception and a quarterback rating, I think, of like well over 105. Um, so he's getting it done on the offensive side of the ball. This could be a really, really good game. But the problem that I see is just that I don't know if Green Bay can stop Dallas if they just throw the ball. If they run the ball, they're getting stopped because Tony Pollard's not going anywhere. But if they pass the ball, I don't know how we stop them running down the field. This is not a stat that I'm – but Dak, to me, has not been good down the stretch. They're struggling against Washington. Is that, really. just, is that just like personal opinion that you think? Yeah, because he had four we, touchdowns we, against Washington and like no interceptions. I think they're it's struggling. They're, they're struggling. However, they have done in the past, that's different. They're six and two against the spread at home this year. When they play teams at home, they typically blow them out of the water. Green Bay is four and five against the spread on the road. If I were leaning, I'd lean Dallas. However, I'm probably going to take more on CD over 97 and a half. Uh, I think he just goes nuclear like he continues to do. And none of the Packers players' receptions were out because I think they're still leaning on some people playing or not. But if it does come out, this is a guy who's been eating targets over the last three weeks is Bo Melton's catches. Yeah. Bo Melton came out of nowhere and the dude has looked great. Like he, he is hands other than the drop that he had this weekend, which was a tough catch. But other than the drop he had in the end zone this weekend, he, the ball just sticks to his hands. I really like a player prop in this game too. And I almost like it more, even if Christian Watson plays because it frees up some, some space in the field is I like Jaden Reed's yards. I don't like his catches this week, but it's 48 and a half. And he Not is, touching the guy again. He has ran through the, that yardage total in the last like five weeks. Um, he's the guy who's consistently been the guy for Jordan Love down the stretch. Um, with Christian Watson in, if Gilmore plays, he'll be shadowing Watson or Dubs most likely um, just because of size and speed. Um Jaden Reed will probably play more in the slot. If Gilmore doesn't play, I like it even more. Um, I just think that this is a game for Reed to have a big yardage game because you're going to need it because he has been the guy for Jordan Love. Uh, you can I also mean, Travis, look at the tight ends too, or just to see what their totals are at. I get Travis's point about ignoring the Dallas's historical stats at home in the playoffs, but at least two of those in the last four were Dak Prescott, maybe even three. 
So it's just different teams. I just hate going back further years with when you got different teams playing. Uh, this team has yeah. looked significantly better than teams in the past of uh, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and I've, I've just seen what Green Bay is capable of letting up through the year. And Dak has looked really good through the year yeah. this year. I won't actively bet against my team, and you guys know that. Um, but I love CD's yards. I think I, I would love his catches, even if it's like nine and a half, because I think that he has double digit catches. Um, but I won't take obviously uh, Dallas minus seven and a half. I'm just rooting yeah, for a good game. Green Bay's playing either. with house money. They aren't even supposed to be here. They were supposed yeah. to win like six games this year. I'm, I'll be happy even if they keep it close. Yeah. All right. Let's go into the next game. It's the night game on Saturday or Sunday. It is the Rams at Lions. Lions are three point favorites. Totals 51 and a half, seven o'clock. We've got the homecoming of Matt Stafford playing against Jared Goff. We've got the big, you know, switchy switch of the quarterbacks. The Lions have been a team that's so hard to trust all year long. They're scrappy. Um, they're, you know, how can you not like them? But they're lacking very, very, very much so in the pass defense. 27th in the NFL, passing yards allowed. Stafford coming back. Oh, this, see, this, 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 this might be my favorite. Outside of the Browns, this is probably my favorite bet of the whole weekend. Travis and I were talking about it. I like Rams plus three and Rams money line at plus 145. To me, you have the more experienced coach who's been there, won a Super Bowl. You have a more experienced quarterback who's been there, won a Super Bowl. Um, and Travis kind of stole my thunder there with the Lions' pass defense. And the Lions' defense overall, they are 23rd in, in points allowed per game, per game, 19th in yards allowed, seven, 27th in, in points per play. I mean, literally every single meaningful defensive statistic, they are in the mid, the low to mid-high 20s. Like, they're, they're in twenty 20s somewhere. They are not a good defensive team. That's what Dan Campbell plays upon. They also played their starters last week, lost some talent. Laporte is questionable to play, which I feel like is their best offensive weapon outside of Amon Ra. Um, and if, you get, if you're one-dimensional with just Amon Ra St. Brown, um, to me this is not a good game for, for Detroit at all. So I like the Rams plus three and a half. I'm okay with the sprinkle on the money line. I had a different bet as, in this game as well. We don't have to take it. Um, I'll give you my reasoning why, and you already gave me half of it. You talked about how bad the Lions scoring defense and defense in general was. Um, the Rams is just as bad. It's slightly better. They both rank in the bottom third in scoring defense and, de- and defensive statistics. They're around the same range. They both also rank in the top 10 in scoring offense. I love this over. This is going to be a banger of a game. At 51 and a half, I know it's high. This, this game, I, I think it's just going to be back and forth. Score, 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 score. They're playing in a dome. That's where Jared Goff thrives. They're at home. So I think that they'll be able to push the ball. But I think the Rams offense is too much for that Lions defense, which is why I still like the Rams plus three and a half. But I think this game could be in the 30s for both teams because of how well they score the ball and how bad both defenses are. <clears throat> Told Jared Goff has notorious three picks in the first quarter and it's 30 plus territory for the Rams, though. And then they <laughs> score and that's 21 points for them. <laughs> Well, if you like the over, you might like this more. If you want both teams to score, this is, might be my favorite bet, even better than Rams plus three. I like Matt Stafford over 274 and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad play. I mean, he's been hovering around 300 for a lot And of with how good the Lions run D is, because it's very good, 
Uh, I think they bottle up Kyron Williams to an extent. They're obviously going to get him involved because the dude's just been, they've just been feeding him like no other. But even when they do feed him, Matt Stafford tends to hit his yards. Um, I have a hard time wrapping my head around them being able to stop the Rams, which is the problem. Yeah. Um, so let's move on. Last game, Monday night. Jesse Kane, this is all you. Eagles minus three at the Bucks. Total is 43 and a half. Monday night, 7-15. This might be my least favorite game of the week all around. Yeah, I didn't have it a pick is. in this game. I literally wrote down, um, not betting on it, worst game of the week. <laughs> I initially leaned the under just because Tampa Bay unders this year, 11-6. and six. Philly's been slumping. Um, both have relatively good defenses, especially Philly has a good run defense with Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox. Um but I'm I'm not in love with it, and I also I'll give like. You, I'll give you a bet. If the Eagles lose this game, Nick Sirianni doesn't have a job next year. No, he's fired for sure. Fired for that's, sure. Fired. That's yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's wild to think after coming off of the Super Bowl. Um, it really sucks the way the Eagles headed into this game. They've lost four of their last five. AJ Brown's done. Likely, I'm pretty sure Sidney Brown uh, is out. Jalen Hurts. Uh, his, like I told Jared and Ethan earlier, his <laughs> finger was literally looked like the shape or looked like the letter Z. It's the Harry week. Potter logo. <laughs> um, it's tough, especially whenever that's the one thing that you have to capitalize on is a bad Tampa Bay pass defense because their run D is top five. With his injury, I don't know how much he's going to be able to throw the ball, especially without AJ Brown. I didn't have like I the pick. I usually have like a pick at the end of my analysis, and I just put question marks for like the spread in total. I just have no idea what I want. I, I just I do like, like is how with how bad Philly's past defense have been ranked thirty first in the NFL. Baker Mayfield over two hundred and thirty six and a half passing yards. He said this in ten games. Like I said, Philly also has top he, ten run D, so I see a lot of pass attempts coming. Baker's also banged up, probably dealing with a similar injury that I think what Trevor Lawrence has. He was limping off the field every single play last week. This is going to be a, a gross game. Why it was this the Monday night game is beyond me. Um, don't know. Should have been the Saturday this. noon game. Yeah, or Saturday yeah. whatever three thirty game. I just want to say like, as, uh, like, should they flip flop the Saturday games that we have now to avoid like the weather crisis in Kansas City? I don't know, but. Uh, I mean, even, that, I was but, just, even then, the high, the high during the day in Kansas City is still only like four degrees. It's also yeah. supposed to be even colder on like so. If you wanted to flip Saturday to Sunday or Sunday to Monday, it's supposed to be even colder Sunday and Monday. So yeah, I know. Yeah. So so uh, I'm if I had to lean a bet in this game, I'm probably gonna take the under just because I think both teams are not moving the ball very well. Their offenses have looked kind of lackluster. Um, and to Travis' point, Bucks have a good run defense. Eagles can't really throw the ball. Would Jalen hurts his finger looking like it does? So I I would really sprinkle a little bit on Tampa money line just because I want it to happen. Sorry, Jesse. Uh, but you saw Baker Mayfield practice with a fucking little uh, a, a, a pocket of uh, lip pillows in his pocket at, at practice. Did you guys see that? He had no. literally had yeah. he had the packet of Zins in his in his front pocket at practice. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a little uh, six milli vanilla right there. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's I I just couldn't get myself because I th- I think the Eagles win this game just because of I mean 
the Bucks just squeaked by the Panthers in a must-win game, one nine nothing. Luckily, on a freaking fumble into the end zone. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's going to be an ugly game. If you yeah. want to take, and you may not want to take this because I put your team in it. If you want to take a money line parlay of Browns, Dolphins, Rams, and Eagles, it is plus eighteen hundred. Nope, a pass. Yep. <laughs> but I like the effort. If without the Dolphins, it's still plus five seventy. You're gonna call me crazy. I'd almost rather take the Eagles. Out. Even Maybe if you just do the Browns and the Rams, it's plus three hundred. <laughs> I'm just say, yeah. If if I'm picking, so like. All right, we all know the Rams are a favorite underdog of the weekend. Um, that's clear, clear as day. You guys had to pick like a because like we're we're gonna history tells us Rock Hall weekend we see at least two upsets. If you had to pick two upsets, two upsets this weekend, who are they and why? Not why is who are they? Go, Ethan. Uh, Rams, Dolphins, Travis. Two upsets and one. Two upsets. Um, I would say Rams, Bucks. Just to go, just to be different. I was, I was gonna say Rams, Bucks. Um, that's very, very close second. Dolphins because I, we say that three. Texans are gonna come out and win the first game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably so. <laughs> probably so. All we right. See before we wrap things up. Well, there are, we could talk about some NFL playoff futures. Does anybody have any that they like or that they popped out to them before we get out of here? So the big thing, I saw this TikTok today and this guy broke down like stats, like historical stats of teams that won the Super Bowl, like what categories they fall in. And it fell down to three teams that could win the Super Bowl. And it was the Niners, the Bills and the Cowboys. I saw one. No, I saw one that was. It was nine. It wasn't the Bills because they got eliminated. On was it on TikTok? Did you see this guy? Nine. Well, it actually might have been Niners and Niners and just Cowboys. Then it was like just. The two, I think it was just Niners Cowboys. Which we talked about the Cowboys or the Cowboys. It's in years past. Like Travis and I, I won a lot of money the year Tampa beat. The Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I took a flyer on them pre-playoffs uh, at like plus thirteen hundred to win the Super Bowl, and they won. Um, I don't see a team that's like bigger than like plus seven hundred odds that's going to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, so I don't think it's worth a full playoff bet to bet a future. I think this is the first year I probably won't do it. So there's a there's a bet that I actually like. Um, again, it's a flyer. It's not like I'm sitting here because I'm not going to bet the favorite. Um, it's not. There's not a whole lot of value there. But the player to have the most playoff receiving yards, um, I really like Brandon Ayuk at plus 900. Ooh. If you think that team's going to go far, and I think that they probably are with the way the NFC looks, um, he has been their biggest target in that offense outside of obviously getting guys like Christian McCaffrey involved. Debo doesn't necessarily always have the receiving yards. He's got a lot of touches, a little bit of mixture here and there. But Ayuk is always the guy who is he's getting a lot of the looks. Um, the one thing there is like they have the first round buy. So if you have a team that's going to play wild card weekend, it's going to make the championship weekend. Well, that's tough. And that's too. why CD Lamb is plus two hundred. Um, but I don't like that at plus two hundred. It's just it's I don't too either. low for me. 
I don't either. I, I, I don't, I don't hate that bet at all. E. I actually like that a lot. The other, the other guys up there, Amon Ra is plus 900. We think they're going to lose week one. So that's not a, makes sense. Then it's Ayuk. Then it's Stefan Diggs at plus 900. Tyreek Hill at plus 900. AJ Brown at plus 1200, who, what we thought is not even going to play potentially this week. Um, is that right? We don't think he's going to play. He, I think he's going to play. The extent of how good he's going to be is here, neither here nor there. So I, yeah, yeah I, I don't hate that bet at all because you're you're basically, but to that point, you're basically banking on the Niners to make it to the Super Bowl. I think if the Niners make it to the Super Bowl, that bet's cash yeah. money in yeah. your pocket, which is yeah. probably a lot the better odds than than the Niners to win the NFC, which is probably yeah. minus one twenty five or something, right? And the other ones don't really intrigue me. Like most playoff passing yards, Dak is at plus 300. Brock Purdy's at plus 500. Um, those are your top two. And then rushing yards. What's, what's going on? Oh, I guess the win this weekend fucks that up. But I was going to say, what's Josh Allen there? Because he threw it's a plus 500. But yeah, he may throw for 150 passing yards this week. So yeah. Yeah. Here, here's one on DraftKings the highest scoring team in the playoffs. The 49ers are plus 390. I know they get one less game, but. That's yeah. That's they're going to get the most plus three sixty. Yeah, they're going to get the most favorable matchup. Which to me, I think they're going to end up playing the Rams in the second round. Division opponent. They just lost to them, but no one played. So, yeah. Either way, there wasn't a whole lot that popped out to me. Um, yeah, it's not like that. It's not like the year where I could pick a flyer and be like, boom. To be fair, like, is this year the most wide open? Like, could we have chaos this weekend and then, like, everything changes next week? Sure. But I'm I'm seeing really two upsets this weekend. And one of them is going to be the Rams. The other one could be the Bucks or the Dolphins. I don't think the Steelers have a shot. I would love the Packers to beat the Cowboys, but I don't think they have a shot. Um, and that'll be that. So there you have it. Big weekend coming up, as always. We will post everything, all of our plays later in the week on the day of the games on Twitter. So if you want to follow them, you can check them out there. Does anybody have anything before we bounce out of here? Yeah, if you don't think I'm not betting the Dolphins and Packers money line parlay, you're crazy. So, <laughs> And when I come back next week and I prove you all wrong, <laughs> I'm buying everybody drinks. I would love to see that, E. I would love to see that more than anything in the world. <laughs> we'll find out. In yep. five days, we'll see you next week. Well, Jared, well, right? No, no, I'm here next week. Following, okay, following. All right, yeah, we'll be here next week.